sent till long I've trod. Lord, I'm coming home, coming home, coming home, never more to roam. Open wide thine arms of love, Lord, I'm coming home. I've wasted many precious years, now I'm coming home. I now repent with bitter tears, Lord, I'm coming home, coming home. please and turn to Philippians chapter one as we continue our study of this great little book, a study we're calling Still Joyful. And we're so glad to see you here today. Appreciate you bringing your Bible. If you don't have one, there should be one in the pew rack in front of you. Find the New Testament book of Philippians. We'll be reading there in just a few minutes. Philippians chapter one. Uh, Mrs. Rhea Miller once wrote a poem that would forever change the life and direction of a 23 year old young man. Now, this young man growing up with devoted Christian parents, he was encouraged to use his fine singing voice often in the services of the Wesleyan Methodist Church, of which his father was a minister. Now, financial needs of the family made it necessary for him to leave college and go to work in an insurance office. But he continued to sing, of course, in churches and on Christian radio programs. And unexpectedly, this young man was offered an audition for a secular singing position in New York City, and he passed the test. So the opportunity for a substantial salary and wide recognition made this young man's decision concerning his life and his direction of life very difficult. One Sunday, this young man went to the family piano, and he was going there to prepare a song for the morning service, and he found laying there a poem entitled, I'd Rather Have Jesus. His mother, who collected beautiful quotations and literary selections, she began to leave some of those things laying around the house for a son to read, hoping that as he read them, that they would guide him spiritually. And as he read this poem, he was deeply moved with the challenging message of the text. 
And immediately he began to compose the music for the lines. And he used that song that same day in his father's church service. You may have already figured out that young man's name, George Beverly Shea. George Beverly Shea said, over the years, I've not sung any song more than I'd rather have Jesus. But I never tire of Mrs. Miller's heartfelt words. You see, as a young man at the age of 23, Bev allowed the message of this text to guide him wisely to a wonderfully productive and worthwhile life of service for Christ. As he shared what really has become his theme song, he shared that song with audiences around the world. You probably can hear in your mind's eye, many of you, him singing that. But let me remind you of the words again of that song. I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather be his than have riches untold. I'd rather have Jesus than houses or land. I'd rather be led by his nail pierced hand. The refrain than to be the king of a vast domain or be held in sin's dread sway. I'd rather have Jesus than anything this world affords today. I'd rather have Jesus than men's applause. I'd rather be faithful to his dear cause. I'd rather have Jesus than worldwide fame. I'd rather be true to his holy name. He's fairer than lilies and rarest bloom. He's sweeter than honey out of the comb. He's all that my hungering spirit needs. I'd rather have Jesus and let him lead. You know, the words of that song made me think about the Apostle Paul as well. We learned in our last study here in Philippians that Christ was literally Paul's life. He said here for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. He'd rather have Jesus than anything else in all the world. Christ was his life. And as I continued my study of this passage that we're going to study together today, another song came to mind. And this song, I think, would really describe the Apostle Paul as well. It's Charles Meagher's song, just simply entitled Others. Some of you may know it, some may not. But here's how that song goes. Lord, help me live from day to day in such a self-forgetful way that even when I kneel to pray, my prayer shall be for others. Others, Lord, yes, others, let this my motto be. Help me to live for others so that I may live for thee. Help me in all the work I do and ever be sincere and true and know that all I do for you must needs be done for others. And when my work on earth's been done and my new work in heaven's begun, may I forget the crown I've won while thinking still of others. Others, Lord, yes, others, let this my motto be. Help me to live for others so that I may live for thee. And I think you're going to see this morning as we study together, beloved, that uh, truly that was the Apostle Paul's life. It was Christ and it was others. Look with me, if you would, uh, beginning there in verse number 18 in the Philippians chapter one, as we begin studying here this morning, Philippians chapter one. Now, last time we introduced a message to you and we got to the first point and the message is entitled when Christ is your life. When Christ is your life. And we shared with you last time that when Christ is your life, your desire is to magnify him, to exalt him. And I want to keep going on that same thought as we study today and add some additional points to it. Look here in verse 18. What then, notwithstanding in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, 
Christ is preached, and I therein do rejoice, yea, and will rejoice. For I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Verse 20, according to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness, watch this, as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I what not, for I am in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. And having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for your furtherance and joy of faith, that your rejoicing may be more abundant in Jesus Christ for me by my coming to you again. Let's pray. Father, we love you today. Quiet our hearts now and help us to focus on your word. May your Holy Spirit have his will accomplished in this service. In Jesus' name, amen. When Christ is your life, your desire is to magnify him. We talked a lot about that last time. Now, I want to show you additionally today this truth. When Christ is your life, your desire is to help others to magnify him. When Christ is your life, your desire is to have others magnify him. Now, Paul had just said in verse 20 here at the end that Christ will be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. Whether I live or I die, living is Christ, dying is gain. Living is Jesus, dying is more of Jesus. It was a win-win situation for the Apostle Paul. But I want you to notice in verse 22, where we pick up our study today, the very first word is the word but... He's going on thinking about this whole situation. But if I live in the flesh, if I live in the flesh, if I keep on living physically, if I don't die and go on to heaven right now, I'll get more fruit for my labor. Look at what he says in verse 22. But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I what not, for I am in a strait betwixt two. Now, he says, what, what choice I would make, I'm not sure. If it were up to the Apostle Paul, if the Lord said to him, Paul, you can come on to heaven or you can stay and keep ministering. Paul says, I don't know what I choose. If it were up to him, of course, it was ultimately up to the Lord. But he's not wrestling with God's will here. He's thinking about his future. He's looking at both sides of the coin, living or dying, staying or leaving. And the next part of verse of this verse here, verse 23, says, I'm in a straight betwixt two. Now, you and I would say it probably somewhere like this. I'm between a rock and a hard place. I can hear my grandfather say it this way. I'm between a crust and a hard pan. That's a tight spot to be in. That's a difficult spot. Here's the difficulty. Look at verse 23. I am in a straight betwixt to him in a rock and a hard place, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. I mean, it's ultimately better to be with Christ. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh, to keep living is more needful for you. Should I go home to be with Jesus or should I stay and minister to and help these Philippians to be with Christ is better. No doubt about it. But Paul here was thinking of others. And as he thought about other people, as he thought about the Philippian believers, he comes to a conclusion. 
Now, I don't know if the Lord revealed this to him or it was just settled in his own heart. But he says in verse 25 and 26, these words. And having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all. Why, Paul? For your furtherance and joy of faith. And also, verse 26, that your rejoicing may be more abundant in Jesus Christ for me by my coming to you again. He says, my desire is to stay right now. My desire is to help you to grow in your faith for your furtherance and joy that you may rejoice more in the Lord Jesus Christ. He wanted them to magnify Jesus. He had their spiritual growth in mind. He had their joy in Jesus in mind. He thought of his brothers and sisters in Christ. And I can't help but think about what what Warren Wiersbe wrote. He said, what a man Paul is. He's willing to postpone going to heaven in order to help Christians grow. But also, he's willing to go to hell in order to win lost people to Christ. You say, preacher, what do you mean? Well, Romans 9, verses 1 through 3, Paul said these words. I say the truth in Christ. I lie not my conscience also bear me witness in the Holy Ghost that I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart. For I could wish that myself were a curse from Christ. Cut off from Christ. Why? For my brethren, for my kinsmen, according to the flesh. See, that song truly describes the Apostle Paul. Others, yes, Lord, others. May this my motto be. He says, I'm going to heaven's far better, but I'm willing to postpone that to help my brothers and sisters grow, to keep spreading the gospel. He says, I could wish that myself were cursed, that my brethren, my kinsmen, would come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. He wanted the Philippians to rejoice in Christ. Christ was Paul's life. Whether he lived or whether he died, he was going to magnify Christ. He was going to exalt Christ. He was going to help others magnify Christ. He said in Romans 14, 8, these words, for whether we live, we live unto the Lord. And whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live, therefore, or die, we are the Lord's. And when you look at the Apostle Paul's life, it makes you to begin to wonder about your own life and the relationships that we have in life. First of all, beloved, do you have life in Christ? Do you know Jesus Christ as your Savior? Has there ever been a time in your life where you repented of your sin and placed your faith totally and completely in Christ and his righteousness? Do you know him as your Lord and Savior? If you do, is Christ your life? Is Christ your all in all? I had you do that little exercise last time we were in the book of Philippians where you wrote out that sentence for me to live is and you drew a blank and to die is and you drew a blank. And we talked about what words would truthfully go in those blanks for the Apostle Paul. He said, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. When you look at your relationships in life, think about your relationships for a moment. Is it your desire to help others magnify Jesus Christ? In your marriage, are you seeking to help your spouse to magnify the Lord Jesus Christ? As a parent, are you seeking to help your children to magnify the Lord Jesus Christ? In your friendships, 
your acquaintances, those you work with? Is it your desire? Is it your goal to help these folks to magnify the Lord Jesus Christ? You say, well, preacher, some of these folks don't even know Jesus. Well, that's the starting point that they might know him as Lord and Savior and magnify him in their lives. Now, some hearing that, thinking about the relationship, say, well, you know, preacher, that's a bit much to think about. You know, I want my spouse and kids and friends to magnify Jesus. That's a little much. Really? Really? Because if that is the case, then Christ is not your life. Look at Paul again. Verse 20. According to my earnest expectation of my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness, as always, it's always been going on since I met Jesus. So now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. It's more of Christ. Christ is my life. He's my life. Now, in all honesty, sometimes we want a little Jesus here, a little Jesus there, a little Jesus sprinkled on a Sunday, and a little Jesus around supper time when it's time to pray, and then we go about our own business. Paul said, Jesus is my business. Jesus is my life. Whether living or dying, it's all about Jesus. And many have followed him. George Whitfield, the great preacher of days gone by, he preached judgment in the fields of New England. Near the end of his life, a friend advised him to go to bed rather than keep a preaching appointment. But Whitfield prayed this prayer, Lord Jesus, I am weary in thy work, but not of it. I have not yet finished my course. Let me go and speak for thee once more in the fields, seal thy truth and come home and die. And you know what he did? He went out, he preached his last sermon and he died the following morning. Christ was his life. Whether living or dying, it was all about the Lord. Beloved, let me ask you this, dear friend, is Christ your life? You see, when Christ is your life, your desire is to magnify him. When Christ is your life, your desire is to help other people magnify him. But there's one more thing I think I see here, and that's this. When Christ is your life, your desire is to be with him in heaven. When Christ is your life, your desire is to be with him in heaven. Go back to verse 23. We read through it kind of hurriedly earlier. But let's go back and look at that verse carefully. He says, for I'm in a strait betwixt two. I'm between a rock and a hard place, a crest and a hard pan. I'm having a difficult time here. Having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Now, I want you to notice that little word depart. Depart. A very interesting word, to say the least. That word pictures a soldier who takes down his tent in order to take up that tent and move on to the next place. For the believer, beloved, death is just that. We're moving from one place to another. We're moving from earth to heaven. Second Corinthians five, one says, for we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God and house not made with man's eternal in the heavens. The soldier taking down his tent to move on. It also pictures the farmer. It pictures the farmer taking the yoke off of the oxen. In other words, the work is through the labor's 
are done. It's time to rest. It also, you've been interested to know this, it pictures the politician. It pictures the politician setting a prisoner free. You know, as believers, we're troubled on every side. There's all kinds of stuff going on. But when we go home to heaven, we're with Jesus. All of that mess around us is through. It pictures a soldier taking down his tent, a farmer taking the yoke off the oxen, a politician setting the prisoner free. But it also pictures a sailor lifting up the anchor or loosing from the moorings and setting sail. And as he does that, those standing there watch that sailor as he disappears over the horizon. It pictures a soldier, a farmer, a a politician, a sailor, all very descriptive pictures of what happens when a child of God dies. You see, beloved, Paul did not fear death. You know why? Death was gain. Death was more of Jesus. Death was just going to be with Jesus. Romans 14, 8 again, for whether we live, we live unto the Lord. Whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live, therefore, or die, we are the Lord's. Psalm 116, 15, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. 2 Corinthians 5, 8, we are confident, I say, willing rather to be absent from the body and beware, present with the Lord. How about Psalm 23, 4? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Death to Paul was gain. He had a desire to be with Jesus. He had a desire to be home. Let me ask you, friend. Do you ever have that desire? Do you ever think what it's going to be like to see the Lord Jesus Christ face to face? To see the wounds in his hands and his feet. To see the one who loved us and died for us and bled for us on Calvary. The one that took upon himself our sin. Do you ever have that longing, that desire to go to heaven? Listen, Christian. Unless we go by rapture first, all of us are going to die. But that's not the end. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Think about that. You ever heard about that headstone? They say it's in a country churchyard. In Montgomery, Alabama. If you look at this headstone, this is what's written on it. Under the clover and under the trees, here lies the body of Jonathan Pease. Pease ain't here, only the pod. Pease shelled out and went home to God. (laughs) Hallelujah. To be absent from the body, to be present with the Lord. I thought about this while we were living in Knoxville, Tennessee. It's been several years back. One time, Gideon and uh, Danielle, they were going to fly up to Pennsylvania to see her family. He was just a baby then. And I took them to the airport to get them checked in and see them off. And I stood there that day and I was waving goodbye to my loved ones. And as I did that, I noticed that there were others there that day that were welcoming their loved ones home. In other words, some that day were saying goodbye while others were saying welcome home. And I couldn't help but think about 
the death of someone who knows Jesus Christ as their Savior. We stand on this side and we stand there saying goodbye. While over there, their friends and family who preceded them in death are saying to them, welcome home. Welcome home. Oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, because of that, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. It's not in vain. We don't always get to see the fruit of our labors here. We don't always get to see exactly how God is using our lives. I think about George Whitfield there. He says, Lord, I'm weary in thy work, but not of it. We grow tired in our labors, but not of your work, O God. It will be worth it all when we see Jesus. Just one glimpse of his dear face. All sorrow will erase. We have run the race. Let's run the race till we see Christ. When Christ is your life, your life, your life, the total sum of your life, your desire is to magnify Him. Your desire is to help other folks magnify Him. And your desire is to be with Him in heaven. May it truthfully be said of each one of us, beloved, what it says again in Romans. For whether we live, we live unto the Lord. Whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live, therefore, or die, we are the Lord's. We're the Lord's. Doesn't matter. Paul says it doesn't matter. Whether I live or die. Christ is going to be magnified. Praise be His name. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? And this morning I wonder, first of all, do you have Jesus Christ as your life? That begins, of course, by knowing Him as your own Lord and Savior. Friend, I want to tell you today, if you've never met Him as Lord and Savior, today is the day. Harden not your hearts, but realize you're a sinner. You cannot save yourself. You can't earn your way to heaven. Christ died for you. He paid the price to redeem you. He loves you. And if you repent of your sin and take him by faith, he'll be your Savior and Lord today. I want to encourage you to trust him. Trust him. Trust him as Lord and Savior. And then for those here today who say, you know what, preacher? I know if I die this moment, I'd be with him. I'd be in heaven, absent from the body, present with the Lord. That's a glorious comfort and truth and hope. But let me ask you real quickly, friend, is Christ your life? I didn't say a part of your life. I didn't say a little bit here on Sunday and a little bit maybe on Wednesday and once in a while. I said, is Christ your life? 
If he is, it's your desire to magnify him. It's your desire to help other people magnify him. And it's your desire to be with him in heaven. If you could not put in that, those blanks for me to live as Christ and to die as gain, what needs to happen in your life to make that the case? Maybe some sin that needs forsaken. Maybe some forgiveness that needs to be granted. Maybe some changes in priorities and schedules. Maybe a sitting down as a family and saying, look, we're running in a thousand different directions. And right now our focus is not on Jesus. And that must change. I wonder today, as God, the Holy Spirit, speaks to your heart, are you willing to step out and say, you know what? Lord, I want you to be my life. And whatever that means, I'm willing, I'm ready, and I want you to take charge. And in a moment, friend, and we sing this closing hymn, we're going to invite you to come and pray. What is God, the Holy Spirit, saying to you this morning? Father, We love you and praise you. Thank you for Jesus. May he be our life. Whether living or dying. Leaving or staying. May he be our total sum. Our life. I pray for anybody lost today. Lord, grip their hearts. Bring them in repentance and faith. I pray for believers that know Christ as Savior today. They would be honest with themselves and you. And Lord, do whatever it is you're bidding them to do to make sure that for them, living is Christ and dying is gain. In Jesus' name, amen.